Grand Moth Tarkin, I am honored by your visit. Everybody, hi. <laughs> Whoa, that's fun. We get you have to try to say it as fast as possible. Oh, do I? Okay. Hi, everybody. Hi. Welcome to Grand Moff Talk, a delicately curated, long-form discussion of the internationally beloved Star Wars saga, tailored to the modern fanatic. Brought to you lovingly in weekly increments by the loquacious yet soothing voices of your hosts, Riley, me, Jake, hey, Isaac. No. Okay, that's us. So that was did... not very fast. I know. Well, I didn't no. practice. I'm proud of myself for remembering. So. I'm not gonna let um, you harsh my no, mellow. No, if I go that far. Um, if it's uh, harsh, flush it down. As far as I'm concerned, what's? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been listening so far. What's he's been saying? He's talking about the toilet again. That sounds about right. Uh, <laughs> Practically right. live in the toilet, guys. <laughs> Welcome to this episode of Grand Moff Talking. Hi. If you read the description or the title, you already know what we're talking about. What is it? Star Wars! Hey, Star, Wars. Star Wars! And also specifically Thrawn. We're going to talk oh, about Thrawn today. Okay. Yeah. Did not know that. But before yeah. that, we have all sorts of minutia and sidetracking to get through. So, we do. Uh, yeah. Is that true? <sighs> Mostly minutia. I thought that's what we agreed yeah. on before we recorded. Do we have to do a quick episode of News Gun Ray? <laughs> My lord, is that Egon? I don't think so. That's good news. No need to report that. <sighs> this is the thing, guys. Okay. <laughs> we listen to a lot of podcasts. We do a lot of news. They cover it pretty well. So we're gonna we're gonna cut the news short. True. Gonna do it probably as fast as we possibly More can. More gunray than news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's been a lot that's gone on this week, guys. Mm-hmm. And we uh, we want to cover it all, but really in, in a in a concise fashion. We we're going to talk about Bogdan, the, uh, the, th- the Thrawn novel. Yeah. We're going to talk about it at length, and we really we don't want to dwell on the news because so many podcasts, I mean, I don't think we've talked about this, but so many podcasts do the news, and we listen to a lot of podcasts, by the way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of them do the news. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to do the news on our podcast. And really what I want you guys to know is that a lot of podcasts do the news. <laughs> And they do it well. We listen to those podcasts and like them, but we don't. We don't want to be the ones who you know you come to for news. We just want to talk. And we don't. Wait. And we don't want to dwell on the news. And we don't want to do it. Because <laughs> the thing is, guys, the thing is, like we record a lot of these ahead of time, and so, and so many podcasts do the news already. And so many of them, they do it well, and we listen to them. And they talk about the news, and we don't want to be that kind of podcast that no, talks no, about no, the no, news. No. At least we'll, we'll 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 let you know that we know because I mean these were, these episodes might be two or three weeks two or three weeks old by the time they get to your earbuds. And guys, I'm eating a salad, and he's eating a salad, and a lot of we listen to a lot of podcasts where people eat salad, and we don't want to be that kind of podcast where people eat salad into the microphone. Mm-hmm. It is okay. Let's talk about the news. Oh, whoa! We have something to announce for this episode. Oh, right. We have a dedication for this episode. Guys, here's the thing. If you listen to our podcast, great. If you follow us on Twitter, better. You subscribe to our podcast. It is so fantastic. And what you're and saying is you don't, I mean, if you listen, it's good. But if you don't listen and you also subscribe, that's better. And if you don't listen or subscribe, but you follow us on Twitter, that's the best. I'm mainly concerned with the numbers, guys. Yeah. I'm looking to get that Casper You're a real Eli Manto. Yeah. <laughs> he is in the book throng, which we'll get to right after the news. <laughs> That's the kind but, of Star Wars humor that everybody can get behind. It's <laughs> fun. It's not hurting anybody. We like it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's good natured. It's positive. And we listen to a lot of podcasts that are like that. 
and we do want to be like them. Mm-hmm. But we don't. What we don't want to do is we don't want to dwell on the news, and we don't want to be like those shows that talk about the news all the time. That do the and news. So we don't. We're not going to do the news, and we're not going to do the news. We're going to talk about other things other than the news. So we're going to do a dedication. Yes. Right. And then we're going to briefly do news gun right, and it's not going to last a long time because so many shows do it. But the yeah. dedication. Dedication, guys. She interacts with us on Twitter. And what really helps, if you want to get an episode dedicated to you, make sure that you uh, create some synergy across your uh, social media presence. <laughs> make sure you have the same name everywhere so we can tell it's you. <laughs> it's true. Our fantastic friend of the show, Shan Merck, possibly best friend of the show. Yay! She's done the most. She uh, kind of like a patron by proxy at this point. Such a good friend of the show. She left us a wonderful review that starts out, I don't know if I'm willing to take this, this leap with her, but she says the best Star Wars podcast. I am willing to take the leap, and I took it for the first really seconds of our first episode. That's what it says. I'm That's really nice. reading it off the page. It is so nice. Yes. She, uh, the uh, the review goes as follows. We're going to get to the news, guys, by the way. We haven't forgotten the news. Yeah, and we don't, you know, because a lot of shows do the news, and a lot of shows do dedications. We don't want to get bogged down and dwelling on those things. We, we're doing a little housekeeping, and that's a good thing mm-hmm. to say if you have a podcast, yeah. is you do a little housekeeping up top. I've noticed that about podcasts. We at do want to be like those guys, too. Mm-hmm. Now I hate this bit. <laughs> you have to cut that out, because that makes it terrible if you acknowledge it. So Shan Merck goes on to wax on Grand Moff Talkin as such. She says, if you like never-ending puns, wordplay, and the occasional Radiohead reference, then you have come to the right place. It is just like hanging out with your friends, especially if you and your friends like banter and putting each other down in an endearing way. Oh, they also like Star Wars. Star Wars is pretty great, you guys. That's honestly the best review that we could have asked for. It really is. The the problem with that is that is like going right to my head because like that is everything I wanted this podcast to be. And so the fact that someone acknowledged like everything I wish this podcast would be, that just makes me even worse. Like someone likes the Radiohead references or they at least acknowledge them out loud. I like that someone thinks we're just joking when we make fun of each other. Shut up. <laughs> That's adorable. What, what else did she say? Never ending puns. True. Wordplay. True. Have we gotten to the news yet? What we should do is we should talk about the fact that we're going to get to the news. Now, we do a segment on the show sometimes. We haven't done it a lot because we don't want to dwell on it too much, but we do a segment called News Gunray. My lord, is that legal? I don't think so. That's good news. No need to report that. So we're going to briefly, and Isaac's going to take us through. Mm -hmm. And we won't dwell on it too long, but what is the news that has been going on since we last recorded the segment news gun ray on our previous episode of that okay. show so now we're going to do the news gun ray once again this podcast is to dedicated- reset and just if you just tuned in to the show yeah this is shan Merck's episode this is shan Merck talking from from now till the end the best star wars podcast the best star wars podcast thank you shan Merck talking thank you please change your name on all social all social media platforms of shan Merck talking You've already done the most. You've already done the most you can do. Now, please do the least but you can do. Do a little bit more. <laughs> What's the news? Gunray? What's my lord? Is that legal? I don't think so. That's good news. No need to report that. So, okay. So since news, Gunray. There's been a Last Jedi says a real. There's been some more Han Solo news. There's been some Dave Filoni tweets. And guys, have you anything to add? No. Okay, good. So okay. Thrawn, the novel. Yeah. Um, 
This book was written in 2017. It was released. Are we talking that's, about something that happened this year for once? Insane. No kidding. This is the most current we've ever been. Outside confetti of comes Lord down. One. Kazoos start playing. Jake, do you carry confetti with you at all times? I do, and we discuss it. I think on the uh, either next or previous episode. Huh. I just <laughs> want to create continuity for our, our listeners at home. It's it'll true. Be, the it'll be next. expanded Gramoff universe. Mm-hmm. Talking, Shamrock. You. Shamrock, <laughs> Shamrock talking. Almost forgot. Anyway, Thrawn. It was a pretty recent release. Was it released at Celebration, guys, or just like the, before the week yeah, of, the week after? In fact, I think it released in January of this year. Because everyone was having their copies signed by Zon. Oh yeah, you could. And I was going to do it, and they sold out. They sold out of the copies of this book. Because everyone thought had that same idea. If you're interested, <laughs> yeah. guys, I have a candid photo I took of Timothy Zahn from a long way away. So it's kind of crazy when you get up. Let's put I it on Twitter. We'll yeah, it. when I went to a celebration, he was signing books. I didn't. I wasn't quick enough to uh, get one, but everyone else sure was. I saw him and Pablo. Hey, at Pablo the, uh, book signing. Um, Pablo, honey, Radiohead. Just because she said she liked the Radiohead thing doesn't mean we have to do that more. Rank, okay, rank, right. rank Pablo, honey. As far as Radiohead albums go, no, really. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. Isn't that funny? Because it's the worst one. <laughs> Boy, so what's uh what was your first? Ex- where, where were you when you heard about the Thrawn novel, guys? Oh boy, Riley's hosting this. I don't know why I'm talking about yeah, this. Is that true? <laughs> I guess I don't. I said the intro. Does that mean I'm hosting it? Yep. Yeah. This is your right. ship. Well, here's what I'm. Here's the angle that I'm coming from with this book because I enjoyed it quite a bit, and mm-hmm. I, I when I was younger, I really loved the old Thrawn trilogy. Um, I was all about Thrawn, and as I got older, I kind of soured on that series. Um, it's not it's not as great as I thought it was. However, I really liked this new book, and I like I like the portrayal of Thrawn in this book a whole lot more. And and I like I like th- there's several things I like about it. Um, so that's just my whole thing is going to be comparing it to the old one, probably. Um, what about you guys? How how well, what's your general thoughts? You go first. I Jake think. is making a face. I know I should go first. My general thoughts were I I probably read Air, I think I mentioned this on a previous episode. I think I read Heir to the Empire once, late elementary or early middle school. I have zero memory of reading that book, so I honestly don't even count me reading that book. It's it's kind of useless to try to bring that up in conversation because I have no knowledge to contribute. And yet you're bringing it up now. <laughs> Ironic. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so yeah, I was really interested in reading this book. Because I was looking to get more context on the Throng character, because I think we'll get into it on this episode as well. The portrayal of Throng on Rebels really it, it left something to be desired. Maybe just as far as the time that we had to spend with that character, just it, it wasn't enough. We the the plot didn't necessitate that we could be with him more than to establish that he was the bad guy and he's going to do this, that, and the other. Because as we're going to talk in this book, we. Uh, He's definitely colored more in than just the the bad guy or an imperial. He's they color in blue. Well, that's one color though. Yeah, yeah. I'm usually, use like three or four colors when you color a picture, right? That's true. Mm-hmm. That's a minimum number, honestly. You can use, but that's that's the my general thoughts. Where I I like the book because it's doing what the new canon has been doing that I've been liking, which this movie this book did not present me with a galaxy ending scenario that our heroes have to solve and our villains are trying to create. We're just getting a day in the life of Thrawn. We're getting a day in the life of Tarkin. We're getting a day in the life of Kanan and Hera. We get to 
see them kind of face adversity and we get some background on their origin. And so by the end of the book, we have a nice kind of background. We have a backbone put into the character that we're going to be seen on screen or that we've already seen on screen. And so when we watch the movies or watch the TV shows, we can kind of uh, use that to inform our opinion on the character, which is something that I'm really into personally. Jake, you personally. Me personally talking as a Star Wars fan who does the news. It's fine. Now, Jake has (laughs) some different thoughts from Isaac and I. Okay. Well, this is going to be my Revenge of the Sith episode (laughs) that Riley had. (laughs) This book, I have to say, probably... I'm going to have to play the It's Not My Thing card. um, Weak. Because it is weak and it's cowardly, and yet I did it. Uh, Story of Jake's life, really. That's our Jake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's weak and cowardly, yet I did it. The Jake of Christ story. <laughs> hey! <laughs> yeah, uh, I did. I was going to fight you, but I'm too much of a coward, too. <laughs> so, okay. Um, there are parts of this book that I think are fantastic and that I really enjoyed. Overall, I did not enjoy reading this book. I really struggled to get through it. I did not like it. I did not <laughs> like the overall structure of the book. I didn't like how the characters were presented. Can I just get like three minutes on the clock to talk about Thrawn right now? And yep. you, okay. Hold on. I will uh, start the clock. Okay. Start the clock. Bill Maher style. <laughs> I don't watch the show. I'm not familiar. I don't either. I, I don't know if I, I do know knows on Comedy Bang Bang. <laughs> yeah, that's the only way I know it. The three, minutes, the three the minutes has already started, Jake. There's your, uh, there's your oh, time. Okay. So I, like you, um, Riley and Isaac, had some knowledge of Thrawn. Uh, well, you had more knowledge, Riley, but I, I had some knowledge of Thrawn. I read a little bit of Heir to the Empire and forgot most of it, but I remember liking Thrawn from what I read of it. But I was really excited when they introduced him into the new canon because I wanted to finally understand what people loved about this character. Because if there's you know, a top three people from the old EU that people wanted to bring back, Thrawn was maybe number one. People love Thrawn. So I was excited that he'd be in Rebels. I get to see what was so great about this character. Like Isaac was saying, I thought that while um, I think it's Lars Mikkelsen is his name, his performance as Thrawn was fantastic. He was great, perfect casting. Um, my worry going into that season was that because it is a kid show, not that it would pull us punches as far as like extreme Two scenarios, minutes. but that you don't have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it on the table. <laughs> but, it's for um, the listeners. Uh, but... I thought, well, they're not going to do something really complicated. They're just going to have him always let the Rebels get away, and he'll be like, it's all according to plan. And then the plan would be that he was going to follow them back to their base, which is exactly what they did, (laughs) and it was kind of lame. But I liked his character. So when they announced the Thrawn book by Timothy Zahn, who invented the character, I was so excited because I thought, okay, well, he invented the character. Finally, I'm going to get to see this character and see what is so great about him. And I did not feel that that was the case. I felt like the way that this character presented Thrawn was not a good showcase for what makes his character great. I got about one minute left. It would be like (laughs) if you had a solo Joker book, which they've done, and they're not great because Joker works best when he's pitted against Batman. He is the exact opposite of him. He presents a unique challenge to that character. Thrawn works best when he's pitted against Rebels who are trying to scrap everything together and they're just trying to win on hope, a hope and a dream. 
but he has strategy and military prowess, and he's ruthless. So he's when he's pitted against that kind of uh, hero, he's great. He's not in this book. I didn't think it was fun to read at all. <laughs> End of rant. Oh, 30, 30 seconds to spare. Wow, I can't believe it. You're welcome. That <laughs> is the most un-Jake thing that's ever happened on this show, guys. Just briefly, <laughs> and I'm sure we'll get into plot and, and things like that and, and more things, but just briefly, I would say I think it all works for me that he's not that devious or smart in this book because it's kind of an origin story. Mm-hmm. He, he has military training from 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 the Chiss, um, but I kind of like in the old one he was very much a Sherlock Holmes type, especially from like the new yeah. Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock yeah. Holmes, where he's always not not the smartest guy in the room. He's like the smartest guy in the universe in the old book <laughs> and knows things that it's impossible to know because he's yeah. predicting like in seven weeks I know that you're going to go to this location and do this right. thing and he he was always like seven steps ahead, and in this one he's he's really not. And I think it's a, and I think it's interesting because I think in in Rebels he's more like that Sherlock. I'm way far ahead of you guys, mm-hmm. but in, but in this book he's not quite there yet. And I and a lot of it has to do with the cultural differences, which I kind of like. Um, he has Eli there to to help him with so many things because he just sometimes he just doesn't know what's going on because he's this this is not his. This is not the ideal arena for for Thrawn, and I, I kind of like that about the novel that he's not really ahead of the game yet. Can we? Um, should we do this? Should we kind of set the the table as far as like um, if listeners haven't read the book? I would say that this is a book that even if we spoiled everything, you would still read it and enjoy it because yeah. there's no oh, like big revelations no about twist. the universe. No. There is one twist, but it's not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say even though we'll spoil things, quote unquote. Because it is purely like a character study, it's something that would be worth reading if you're if you're interested in. It. I guess I don't know if it's worth reading. <laughs> you guys liked it and I didn't, so probably for some people, I could see this being their favorite thing. Um, I truly just think it's it's maybe not my thing because mm-hmm. it tapped into so many things that I didn't realize I hated until I read this book and I was like, oh, I do not that- like this. name two right now. Okay, I really. Do you really want me to? Yeah, just give us a flavor. Five minutes quickly. Clock. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I really hate the constant cuts to his inner dialogue as he's like deducing people and i really hate the sheer amount of characters with crazy star wars names and having to remember all of their importance <laughs> and their rank in the military the thing with his inner monologue because let's so let's say this each chapter opens with a little bit of wisdom from thrawn and are we supposed to take away that at the end Eli has been reading his journal and all these little bits are from his journal? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Let's get to the Sherlock Holmes thing. Something I thought that I liked about the book at first mm-hmm. was that it was cutting to Thrawn, I thought, figuring out human behavior because Chiss are very stoic and they don't have a lot of emotions in their face. And I thought what he was doing because let's say a character just said something. Instead of the third person narrator explaining it, it would say, she purses her lips and furrows her brow, clearly demonstrating sadness. So I thought that he was figuring out human emotion. But it goes throughout the entire book. And what I realized, like, no, 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 no. You're supposed to think that he's some brilliant guy who's studying people. Mm-hmm. But any idiot can look at somebody mm-hmm. and see that if they're frowning, they're sad. Like, it's mm-hmm. never something amazing like Sherlock Holmes. I can tell their shampoo by the kind of dandruff they have. <laughs> it's like, she furrowed her brow and raised her voice, clearly 
demonstrating displeasure. It's like, no. yeah, obviously anybody would know that. I, but like the the Sherlock dis- discovering their shampoo based on their dandruff is just like that's. Well, that was not even a real example. No, but, but it is something that would be in the in the right. new Sherlock thing, and I hate that. Well, that yes, is just, that's, that's bad. That's too much. That's bad, but it's no also bad to say this guy's so brilliant. Look how he knows what a smile is. It's like <laughs> he's he's deducing things that anybody with a brain would know, but Timothy Zahn is trying to present it in such a way, like. I, I'm sorry, I'll stop talking for a while, but I'm going to read one of these little bits of wisdom Thrawn has. It's the biggest bullcrap in the world. <laughs> it's just an obvious fact that everybody knows, but he just twists all the words so it sounds complicated. It's like, war is bad, but he's like, every soldier must go to a thing called war, and we know that it is everybody has to do the blah, blah, blah. And it's like, <laughs> he's just saying the war is not good. It's not interesting what he's saying. I don't I, like the pseudo-intellectualism of this book. Mm-hmm. It's trying to seem smarter than it actually is to me. Yeah, I guess I don't know. That sort of thing irritates me too, and I I guess I just didn't get that vibe from it. Maybe I'm dumb. Maybe I feel like I'm dumb because I, and I'm going to pre-warn the audience. I'm going to be asking you guys questions as we go through the plot, and it's not because I'm poking for plot holes in Jake's nitpick corner. It's because <laughs> I genuinely did not understand a lot of what was happening. Riley, put the song in. <laughs> Jake's nitpick corner. <laughs> I don't there have to. He sings it every time. <laughs> I like it. Sniffing his own farts over here. <laughs> okay. Uh, should we? Are we going to do like patent to GMT plot walkthrough? Should It'd we? be pretty I mean, hard I to do. I this, know, yeah, I, I don't know if we need to. I think I would much rather have a more like macro take on this book. because Jimmy pl- macro take. <laughs> yes, nebulous. Let's not have nebulous. one of those. Uh, Jimmy Neb- let's have a Jimmy Nebulous. Boy Let's genius. have Nebula from Guardians of the Galaxy give her a take. And enough of that. Yeah. Well, shared Shan- references, everybody. Shan, Shan Merck's loves the wordplay, so we got to keep it up, guys. It's true. This is for the whole Shanny. Shan Merck talking. Don't call her that. Shanny. I Sh- don't like that. Shanny. Just judging by. Right? Right? <laughs> I can't talk. Right? <laughs> right into the show. I'm right. Tell us if you like Shanny. Don't. <laughs> so bad. I, I would rather, yeah, just go a bit off basic in, impressions of this book. And we're going to go through Thrawn, through Eli, through probably Price. I don't know if we need to go through any other than those three. There's uh, well, one last there's thing. There's so many other characters. There's one last thing I have to say about this book. Okay. And then we can end the show. And then we're done. <laughs> Good. No, just one thing right off the top. I did not read the book. I listened to the book. Yes. I will also talk about this. I read the book. I'm the only one, apparently, which mm-hmm. is... Mark Thompson, who reads most of the, a lot of the new canon, and he read a lot of old canon too. Mm-hmm. He is really good at some things. Uh huh. He like his Thrawn was really good. He it's sounds, crazy. Good. He sounds just like Thrawn from Rebels. I like really Lars. thought that it was him for a while. I yeah. thought it was Lars Mikkelsen. All of his, he's got great accents. He's got good voices for most characters, with the exception. It's bad exception of yeah. when he has to read a woman's voice <laughs> in these books. It and- is terrible when he reads a woman's voice hopefully at this point we can drop in some sound clips that i i took yeah. some snapshots of like um you know timestamps on the audiobook when i would hear something particularly terrible I'd be like okay let me snap this because like so price who if you've watched rebels is she is the character who looks like kate lanchette's character from <laughs> uh kingdom of the crystal skull isaac anything to say there <laughs> nope okay <laughs> so uh. yeah it's kind of like, it's like a scout haircut from to kill a mockingbird yeah there you go um and she's this british governor she's governor price right yeah and so the show governor of lothal governor of lothal yeah 
Uh, or Lothal, as Mark Thompson insists on saying it incorrectly every he single Lothal? time. He says Lothal every single time. I didn't even time. notice that. That would have been He also me. says. I'm glad I didn't notice it. So, um, so we have Governor Price. She's in Rebels. And it's her journey as well as Thrawn's. It's her rising through the ranks of the government as well as him. Uh, you also have Eli Vanto, who is our point of view character in the book. Mm-hmm. He is just a young like cadet or something. So the women's voices are the worst thing mm-hmm. in yeah, the entire world. so bad. And there's so much of it because Price is a really big character. He mm-hmm. does, he does this high-pitched British voice on the, for Price. And every every line he makes so whiny. Even when he, she's not even when she's uh, not being whiny, I he know. makes it whiny. I know, and every female character he makes like that. The guard certainly made no noise as he crumpled to the ground, his blaster clattering softly against the pavement. Arinda glanced around as she slid the blaster back inside her tunic, but saw no other pickets. Arinda? What was Arinda? Her mother gasped. What happened? Probably caught a piece of shrapnel, Arinda said, taking her arm and pulling her along. Father, come on. But we have to help him, Alenia said. It's too late. Arinda said, tugging harder. Father, come on! In a moment, her father said. Come on! He looked at the body for another moment. Yeah. Uh, Price has this friend. I can't remember her name. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Her friend's name is spelled J-U-A-H-I-R. How would you pronounce that? I think in my head I pronounced oh, yeah. the Wahir. here. That makes sense because you got yeah. Juan, Juanita. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says Jua here, <laughs> like an idiot. That is borderline. <laughs> like I feel like he. It's not like he did that on his own. That must be it because there's no, no way. It no, got he said Lethal wrong. I don't know. I don't remember. They the say Lethal. Well, isn't that? I promise you, because I took note of it. Isn't that a Star Wars trope where characters say things different, <laughs> like Maz and Maz and Han well, and Han? George Lucas couldn't Twi- say all the things right that Twi-lick he put in his movies. Twi'lek and Gungans. <laughs> Gungans, Gungans, Gugans. Twi'lek and Twi'lek is always a big one. Yeah. So, so the woman's voice is really bad. So Wahir is um, Price's friend, and he gives her this Valley Girl voice. Yeah, it's bad. In it's oh, it's terrible. So, Juahir Madras said, taking a careful sip of the cap Arinda had poured for her. Are you going to Core Square for the weekend? Or are you going to be a stickly and just hang out and bash? Probably a stickly, Arinda said regretfully. Core Square is awfully expensive. That it is, Juahir agreed soberly. I thought you used to sleep in your airspeeder when you went there. That was before Wapsburg got caught doing spice in a public parking area, Arinda reminded her. After that, Ranking banned us from sleeping or living in any of his vehicles. I didn't realize it was a complete ban, Juahir said. I thought he just wanted his people not to get caught doing anything illegal or embarrassing. And he gives Wahir's friend, who's kind of like dumb boys like this. <laughs> It is like Metal Gear Solid video game cutscene <laughs> acting. Like, the generals all talk like this. And these people, they talk like this. It's like, there's no subtlety. It's yeah. cartoon acting. But the actual cartoon, Rebels, has so much more nuance to the performances. I hated his narration by the end of it. His Thrawn is great. 
his general third-person narration is really good. Yeah. So much of this book is Thrawn's inner monologue and then Price's inner monologue that you don't you actually get a lot of. Basically, what I'm saying is, don't get the audiobook. When when he does when he does like old generals and stuff, there's a couple. There's like one who's supposed to be really old, and it sounds pretty good. Like they're all old British dudes. I didn't like it. It was so like cartoony. Even... It was just like, I felt like Timothy Zahn was going for something that was more nuanced and was more uh, brainy, and his, he uh, went for this like crazy Saturday morning his cartoon. Price acting. has zero nuance. Holy the way crap! He price. It's so bad, yeah, and it's a problem with the the aftermath books as well because he he does those and. You just end up hating people like Nora Wexley because of the way he's reading. Nothing having to do with the character. And, and I feel like that's Whoa. important to note because I, I did listen to – I read some of it and I listened to some of it. But I listened to most of it because I was listening to it while at work. And I have to give this book a couple benefit of the doubt points because the narration made me yeah. so angry at certain yeah. points. <laughs> it was like – this is torturous. I can't listen to this. It's so terrible. Um. So that's the Are audio we reviewing the audio book or the novel, guys? <laughs> hey, Isaac. I just thought we had to bring that out. That yeah. that, that it's not. If you're gonna read this book, read this book. I would say read it. I wish that I would have read the whole thing. The yeah, voices I, in your head are. Maybe better. that's why, because mm. I I like the book a lot and I read it. In, I like it too. Though. Yeah. yeah. Isaac, what do you want to say? Get. Uh, We've talked get about the chest. main characters. Did you so, give your general thoughts? You did. Yeah, I gave my general thoughts. Now, what do you? We should go in and talk about how we feel about how each of the characters was portrayed in the book. Maybe mm -hmm. let's talk about Eli because yeah, Eli is almost the main character. I would like to talk about Eli. Yeah. That's my uh, probably strongest take on this book. Is I my uh, enjoyment of the presentation of Eli because he was just a at, at first you're like oh, this is going to be a, maybe just a, a bland point of view character, which he kind of was for a lot of the book. But I kind of enjoyed his progression because when the book started out, he was almost like the the everyman of the Empire. Because wasn't it he uh, was more or less going to go into the family business like of the Empire? Yeah. Like his, sort of, yeah. Because his dad, it, it was also like, what was the... Supply something? Yeah. I can't remember. It, it was. It, it a, had to do with like shipping and and yeah. lots of numbers, almost like an accountant. Yeah, kind of, it seemed like a relatively menial. To me, it yeah, almost sounded like a warehouse job or something like that. But it seems like something the family, like I think the family had a private business where they where they did some kind of shipping in a warehouse, and they sent him off to join the empire to do the same thing because he has the experience. So mm -hmm. he comes from like a family that supports the empire, but they're not imperial. But he's he's got this experience, and that's what he wanted to do. And he's on this career path until he collides with with Thrawn because mm -hmm. Eli is from wild space. It says, yeah. and so he the and I have positive things. He gives to say him this like book. a southern accent in the audiobook. Yeah, the audiobook is, which more. is not what I thought at <laughs> no, all. No, um, because there's. The, the best thing about this book, I would say, in my opinion, is, is it's um, how it addresses something that I honestly wish that they would address more textually in the, in the movies, which is the racism inherent in the Empire. Um, they're specious, and mm -hmm. um, even racism within certain—because Eli is a human, but because he's from wild space, he's looked down upon as being like a lesser human almost. So at the, be the beginning of the book, they're like— the captains see him as lowly, but he knows uh, Cybisti, which is this language that Thrawn speaks. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, because oh, they, they, they run in the, in the beginning of this book. It's really good. Yeah, they talk, they run into something on this this world, mm -hmm. this deserted world. There's like ruins and stuff. So the Empire is there trying to. I don't know what they're doing. Trying to figure out. I, I don't. Palpatine remember exactly. wants to explore the um, outer regions. What are they called? Unknown regions. Unknown regions. Yeah. And so they're there. 
as a part of this initiative to find more stuff on the unknown regions, they're there investigating, and they almost do it like Jurassic Park or something, where <laughs> they slowly or Alien, where slowly yeah. their their team members keep on like disappearing, and they keep falling into these crazy traps. And that's probably the best part of the entire book, to be honest it's with you. Pretty cool, yeah. It's, it was my favorite part. It starts mm-hmm. really strong, this Thrawn book. Yeah. And it's revealed to be Thrawn. He has been ostensibly or seemingly deserted on this island, he tells them, and by his own people, the Chiss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and going back to Eli, the impression you get at first when it, it's almost like Thrawn, once he gets into the Empire, he he more or less like whisks Eli away mm-hmm. to be his right-hand man. and. It, it, on the on the surface at first that would seem kind of manipulative or kind of selfish that you're just going to take this guy away from his uh, desired career path just to do your bidding but as you go through the book i mean I, I wouldn't say thrawn treated him like with tenderness or like treated him like a like a best friend but he definitely didn't treat him like cruelly or he didn't really even look down on eli he almost like he leaned on eli to kind of get him acclimated to how like humans worked how the empire worked because he speaks this language that Thrawn speaks, mm-hmm. uh, he's able to translate for the generals in, in the Empire once they capture him. And basically, Thrawn is able to get an audience with the Empire, or sorry, the Emperor, who is interested in the Chiss and interested in this guy who took out all their men and sees him as a potential asset to knowing more about the Unknown Regions. And so he drags Eli along as his translator at first. And another thing that I like is how what starts to happen is it's almost a Holmes-Watson relationship where Thrawn has this specific way of, you know, approaching tactics in a battle, and he starts teaching Eli these things. And like good Sherlock Holmes stories, he'll, like, quiz Eli, like, okay, what do you think about this? And, like, okay, how do you know that? You know, like, he's teaching Eli his methods— and by the end of it, Eli is able to kind of discern things like Thrawn would. And that's, that was a fun part of the book for me. I like yeah, that. Was, there was a start of the, one of the chapters— where he's like, it's he's kind of describing Eli, where he's like, uh, like a okay general can do this, this, and this. A good general can do this, this, or this. A great general though can like take I don't know knowledge and kind more of wisdom dis- that you could put on the back of a tissue box. Yep, the back of a beehive. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's called Kleenex. Eli, but- <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> e- Eli's journey in this is something that I really like because he. Eli is not dumb and he's not treated like an idiot just because he's next to Thrawn who's supposed to be very smart. Thrawn is is very good at teaching him as they're going along and by the end yeah. of it Eli is is a pretty competent officer even though he, I think by the end he gets to do what he wanted all along. Mm-hmm. But for but the he, chiss, right? Yeah, 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 for the chiss. The chiss, well I guess maybe we'll we'll talk about that later. But Eli to me is a pretty good substitute for who that character was in the old trilogy. Yeah, I couldn't think of his name. Who was that? Admiral Peleon. Peleon. I, I think it's Peleon, Peleon, yeah. something like that. Yes. Um, he was probably the best part of those old of those old novels. The the idea of Thrawn is really cool, but I don't really like the execution of Thrawn in the old trilogy. Right. But yep. but Peleon is really cool thank you for interrupting me more. he's what? really he's probably the best part of those of those old books and so i was a little upset at first when we got eli because he wasn't the same but turns out it's okay he eli's pretty cool too yeah i'd like to pick your brain before we go too far in this episode rally because you have <laughs> that's what i'm into guys to, if you could kind of just do a quick like bullet point like comparing the portrayal of Thrawn in this versus the uh, the old EU and maybe some of the uh, the ancillary characters, if there's any sort of analogs between old and new canon with Thrawn. 
there's there's really no i mean eli kind of is is he's just the right hand man to to thrawn like paleon was in the old ones but they're not they're not the same character at all they have a very different arc um i i guess the only the only similarities is maybe they're both kind of their their conscience in some point but but in the new book thrawn doesn't really need a conscience which i kind of like because he is not evil He's not this evil bad guy. He goes to the Empire for a very specific reason, we find out. And he's not there because he wants to rule the the universe like 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 Palpatine does. So he doesn't really need to he doesn't need someone to check him like Paleon did in the old ones. Mm-hmm. Aside from that, there's really nothing like the, the old books get crazy. There's the there's a clone of a Jedi from the Clone Wars, Whoa. Joris Kaboth or something like that. I don't know how you say his name. Joris can neither of them, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> and in this book, really, correct me if I'm wrong, we don't get a good guy's perspective in this book no. at all, do we? No, it's, it's all Empire. That's mm-hmm. the problem for and, me. And, well, and seeing the old one, it would switch between what Luke and Han and Leia are doing and with what Thrawn is doing. Exactly. I kind of like that in this book, that yep. we just get Thrawn's story. I think I would have liked it. Here's my main problem with, with this book. If we can talk about the structure of it for a second, because there's no central narrative to the book. There's not a storyline, so to speak. The, arguably the swan stuff, but... It comes in so late in the book, yeah. and even then it's... Yeah, so it, basically the way this book... I'm sorry, Isaac. I was going to say, to me, the night swan stuff was kind of like kind of breadcrumb, 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 and then... <laughs> Bam! Night Swan! And then scene. It was kind of a weird kind of way to structure the antagonist. Yeah, I didn't like it. So he shows up kind of early, right? He's he's that guy. What guy is he? I was confused by this. He's that guy very early on who they... I don't remember. They go to a ship. Exactly. This book is not memorable. It's just confusing. I I listen to it at work. That's my fault. Mm -hmm. I don't... I can't really concentrate that much when I'm listening at work. Yeah. But um, they go to some ship with pirates and he acts like he's been kidnapped but he's actually oh the he's, night that swan. he's that guy he's that guy, guy. okay the night swan is we should I, okay I don't know. for the listeners we're getting into things in the book that are kind of confusing but okay so the and structure of the spoilers this, we talked about that we talked <laughs> about we that talk already about that? Okay. we did yeah the structure of this book is frustrating to me because it's kind of an origin story but it's one of these origin stories where a lot of the important stuff is to- happens in between the chapters. Where it's it's his progression from being in the Imperial Academy um, to being a Grand Admiral. And basically every chapter, for the most part, is its own standalone mission that is not really connected to the previous ones. So instead of having a central storyline of, okay, we're trying to catch this guy. I mean, it makes sense for what he was trying to do to structure it like this. But because of that, it was hard to, for me to get invested in the narrative because each chapter introduced you to all of these new generals that don't like Thrawn and people that are on the other side of the conflict that he is supposed to be uh, fighting or saving or capturing or investigating. There's so much to keep track of, and then it doesn't carry through to the rest of the book. And it's just so much convoluted nonsense for him to be like, I was the smart one all along, and then next chapter – can I give? I kind of like that part about it. I, do. I think it's just not for you. That's I, what I liked about the book. If I'm good, I just don't think. Sorry, I like. The Riley nonsense. loves things that Jake doesn't like. No, no. Here, here's my problem with it. Focus. Here's my problem with it. 
It was not very well written. It's not a very well written book. Oh, dropping a bomb on the Zon. Don't read the old ones. Oh, I know. I gave up on them because <laughs> yeah. Luke invents hot chocolate. And the, uh, yeah. Jake, when you cri- uh, I'll say criticize it, it's something that didn't land with you were his uh, Zon's descriptions of like human body language. For uh, me, I've read more about lip pursing and <laughs> brow furrowing than any book in human history. Well, I gotta say, like human history, I thought for for me, the reader, it kind of helped paint the picture a little bit more. I I was personally a fan of Zahn's prose. You personally, me personally, as a person, mm-hmm. a doer of news, and what I didn't pay as much attention to was like kind of the once the Sherlock stuff started in, I'm like, he's gonna figure it out, so I I can kind of just read through this. Like I found that to be not the most interesting part of the book personally. Like I was more into the the character focused parts and that's kind of where the book lost me in some places. The character didn't progress though enough to me because he starts off and he's very clever and very strategic and is really good at everything. But people don't believe him, and then he does his plan, and then they do, and he gets promoted, and that happens approximately 30 times, because mm-hmm. there's 30 chapters in this stinking, the longest book, perhaps ever written by a human being. <laughs> I kind of like the picture it paints of the Empire, that it doesn't matter like how aspects good of it, are. it's just the writing is not good, the dialogue is once again going back to the stuff. You're never gonna we, like Star Wars books. No, not true. You not gotta stick, read your your Dickens and your Jane not, Austens. Well, I do like those up, but that yeah, is the only I'm two just, authors Jake likes. No, I'm just saying, those are the two that I like. I'm just saying it's it, no, this no, no. is this is pulp fiction. This, but it's not pulpy. This is not pulpy. This is trying. To what be, is pulpy, Jake? Well, it's like an orange, orange juice. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is so cute, guys. Yeah, I'm gonna put a bow on that and kiss it. <laughs> That's so cute. This book that was my problem with it, to be honest. No, I like Star Wars books. I really like um, I a couple of them, do. and I like one that I'm reading right now, which mm. I think we're going to talk about next time, which is Inferno to Squad. Friend of the show, Christy Golden. She liked one she of my. She liked the tweet. She liked one of my tweets, guys. Hmm. Now she'll probably <laughs> unlike it now, <laughs> but I like that book a lot. That book is pulpy. Mm-hmm. This is not trying to be pulpy. This is trying to be. Like a strategic kind of military handbook type, getting really getting into the minutia of formulating a plan, executing a plan, getting into the minutia of the empire, getting inside people's heads and manipulation. It's stuff that sounds cool, but it's so clunky. And like every human interaction, and non-human interaction, I know aliens, but it does not sound like anything anybody would say and not just anybody on earth but anybody in star wars it doesn't sound like star wars dialogue it doesn't sound like real people dialogue it just sounds like bad dialogue because it is bad dialogue. i disagree i think a lot of let people me agree. what i like about this is i think it's the point of any piece of new star wars canon outside of your main movies or rebels to be written very hastily under a deadline oh boy <laughs> what what <laughs> i want from the <laughs> new canon did i leave the this piece of literature with something that I didn't have before. And that's what I think Thrawn did for me because I feel like Thrawn, it, I was provided with a motivation for basically why he's a Grand Admiral in the Empire. With Price, I learned why she is the way she is now. And with Eli, I learned where he's going. So, I mean, dead. these three characters, I feel like I, I learned something about them. Let me say something. I, I Here's a bigger it. problem. Now... The, because there are parts of it that are really good, 
it frustrates me when it was bad because I'm like, he can do better than this. Everyone should be perfect all the time. Yes! <laughs> you know how you read a book and it's good the whole time? I want it to be like that. I want it to be a good book Name the whole time. Book. There's Lost so many books that are great. There's to, well, For all intents and purposes, <laughs> That's I will a, just say, not that. Easy. everything that Claudia Gray has put out so far in the new Star Wars canon good. All would the way. fall in. I, I don't think I recall a bad moment of no. Bloodline or Lost all Stars. Good. All good. Yeah. This book is really uneven. I don't think that I should have to accept a book that sucks sometimes. And In fact, sometimes. he won't. I don't. I retaliate. <laughs> no, I, he rejects this book like a bad kidney. No, no. I guess I'm saying that there are parts with it that are really good and fascinating. I think it nails what it's trying to do. But it's really not even that any individual chapter was bad. Mm-hmm. It's just that by the end of it, or I guess really by midway through, I was worn out by this structure. I was like, oh, I wish that like there was a through line. Now, when it started to really click with me was when. Price and Thrawn started to cross paths and they were using each other and helping each other out because they had the same goals. Then it started to get really interesting again. I think he flubbed the Night's One stuff. It really didn't... It wasn't built up well and I don't think it ended in a very interesting way. Although... I don't think it was supposed to. No, and that's what I wonder. Like, I don't think the Night's One stuff was supposed to be like what the book's about. It happens to be the kind of big finale, but yeah. it wasn't really like it it's built not a, to that. It's not a big finale, really. That's what's so weird about it. But I will say, the interaction, there's a whole chapter, and it's just dialogue between him and Night Swan. I think it might be the best part of the whole book. It's really well written, and you can tell that he cared a lot about that because they're on opposite... You know, they're both bad guys, mm-hmm. and they both have a lot of similar views on things, it was, and they're both very strategic and crafty. Like, Thrawn respects him, and Night Swan respects... Thrawn, and it was really good. It was like two villains evil monologuing at each other. It was good. Mm-hmm. He has the potential to write really good stuff. I yeah. just didn't think the whole book was very good. Yeah, it was a little Sherlock Moriarty for me. So I mean, I, I don't know if that was necessarily like the best thing. It, it which by the way, Moriarty doesn't ever have any dialogue in the actual books. Yeah, all the iterations of Moriarty that you're seeing are people making up iterations, of him, <laughs> which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Please tell us more about this classic literature that's so good. Moriarty didn't is it speak. so much to want a Star Wars book to strive to be more than crap? Yes. It's not crap though. See, that's I think this, this book is. This is this book is not great. I liked it a lot. It I'm didn't. not gonna say it's I'm, fine. You're allowed to disagree with me. I know that's what I'm, but I'm just saying when you say no, this is crap. I don't think that's. Been I don't think that's what reading it a is. certain Twitter account. <laughs> but yeah, but once again, that's I, I left the book with something I, that I didn't have before, and I was okay. I, was happy I don't with like it. that because you, that could be a Wikipedia entry. You could just read a list of facts to tell you something you didn't know before, but it doesn't mean that it was very well presented in the book. But I like this prose. Okay. Well, that's fine. I just didn't like it. Yeah, that's what I think. That's what Isaac and I are saying. Don't be a jerk. We like <laughs> it. I'm not being a jerk. I liked it. I wish that I liked it more, but I didn't. Okay, we haven't talked about like price very much oh, at yeah, all specifically. I, I, I liked her. I don't want to talk about price just because I listened to it. That's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing. I think that what's his name, Mark Thompson. Yeah. He ruined price, but yeah. I was able to detach from that, and I, I think that I liked. Price's journey more than Thrawn's almost. It was interesting. Now, the thing that didn't work for me about her journey is that the thing that sets it off is that she's kind of finagled out of the family business. Like, her family business is kind of co-opted by this guy. She wants revenge on him, and she tries to work her ranks, her way up through the Empire, basically. She's starting from the very, very bottom. She's doing, like, a landlord-type thing at the beginning, Mm -hmm. and she becomes a governor by the end. Mm -hmm. And it's cool... You talk about it first because I have a lot to say about this. I don't want to hog the conversation. I say most my uh, 
short view of that was I kind of enjoyed uh you kind of got to see a character kind of slowly degrade as the book goes on in terms of yeah. like her ambition kind of uh tore down her morality and her uh, empathy and that was kind of uh it was nice to see like it it was it was, <laughs> it was fine really, it was nice to yeah. see someone's morals degrade <laughs> i was gonna say it, it seems like the the indie rock take to say that like you like the price more than thrawn in this book but uh i, no, I, I feel like i've I heard that a, a lot reasonable take i mean like it's fine <laughs> <laughs> that's our catchphrase on this show it's fine no i i think a part of it too is that we had the least amount of information on her going in because we didn't get a ton of her in rebels but we she was there a lot in the first season i think wasn't she that's true. She's in it more than just the third season. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, she's actually. in it through the whole thing. Yeah, I'm not a real fan. Where where did you pull the uh, the intro for our illustrious? Podcast oh, is that Price? From? Oh no, it's not Price. It's that I was it's wondering that the, the whole weird, time. Like minister lady who wears the blue hat. Sometimes she dies. I think in season one. I forget her name. Minister something. Oh yeah, but it's not Price. Yes. No. In, in like the very one. in the very beginning, there's that episode with three PO and R two droids in mm-hmm. distress. Yes, and she's like the one there that Sabine is translating for hmm. yeah okay yeah that's literally uh ruined my life because like in my inter- <laughs> in my inner monologue i was reading price as that voice <laughs> ah grand mouth talk and yeah. i am honored by all this whoa breaking down the fourth wall but i uh <laughs> i just i guess i haven't watched an episode of rebels with her in it for she many a moon so yeah i liked price a lot and uh, okay i had a <laughs> this will surprise you i had a couple problems <laughs> whoa no <laughs> can i just say i really did like parts of this book i don't believe you yeah but overall i didn't hold together i have no proof that jake's liked a part of anything <laughs> what the hell hang on a second <laughs> i only like the prequels that's it <laughs> that's it which is an interesting take for someone as stubborn as you <laughs> it really is there's no judge there's no understanding my taste and things it's all over the place <laughs> I defend DC movies and the prequels, and I hated this book. Who knows? And I think that we're all on this show, even if we love something, we're able to criticize it a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's what I like, guys. We can be honest and open with each other. But, okay, so Price. Except when I try to criticize the prequels, up. then you so, guys no, stop, stop talking, stop talking. Come like on! <laughs> be positive for once! <laughs> the thing that was weird to me is because maybe it's a, a thing where it was never really her motivation the whole time. Because... She wants revenge on her parents. First of all, and I mean this genuinely, explain to me what happened with prize mining. Wasn't it um, like bought up by that bad guy? And like, what was his he, name? It was the guy who was the governor. I don't know his name. Hmm. It was a governor. Ranking? <laughs> Ranking? Is that what it was? There's so many governors. I think that, that's one of them. Um, yeah, I think they all sound like Mr. Krabs on the is, narration. I think so. that is the dude because that's who she replaces eventually. Yeah. I think so. I think the governor... But that's not the guy who really wants the mine, I don't think. He does want it for himself. Right. She makes a deal with the Empire to give the mine to the Empire. Then the Empire screws her over, I'm pretty sure, in the deal, and she doesn't get to stay on with price mining. So she goes to to escape this governor. She goes to the Empire, who then just takes the mine, and then she works her way up in the Empire to, to... become the governor to you know, get the guy out in the first place as we keep talking what i will concede is that this book wasn't as memorable maybe as some of the other new can stuff because i feel like right now i could go almost beat for beat through bloodline i've read all yeah. the, i've read all these books once it's all minutia this book yeah okay um yeah that's the thing is it like even after another chapter be like wait a minute I, what what just happened <laughs> um and honestly i i will concede that this probably in large part is because books like that that are really heavy on remembering very minute plot details and like a thousand different characters 
I struggle with those. It's just not how my brain is wired. So I'm, I'm just an idiot, guys. I don't know what good books are. <laughs> so um, the other thing, the thing I didn't like is that although the parents are the impetus for her wanting to join. She doesn't treat them very well. <laughs> she never, ever, that I remember, visits her parents who are imprisoned, right? No, they're not in prison. They're just well, screwed out of the business. They're just yeah, they're just out of business. She never talks to them until like the very end of the book. Well, hold on yeah. though, because remember in in Lost Stars, and it's also kind of establishing this in Inferno Squad. Like when you join the Empire, you're kind of like you need to commit yourself to the Empire completely. Okay, and sort of. Eli talks to his parents like a million times in this book. Well, he's a weak Southern hick, <laughs> according to Mark Thompson. <laughs> yeah, according to Mark Thompson, he really yeah, is. exactly. So some people can talk to their parents, some people can't. And uh, what, what what are details? Yeah, I don't think it really <laughs> I, holds up very she's well. She's more on the political side. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. She's not military. I don't know either, but it's just weird because at a certain point, I was like, oh, that's right, the price money thing. That's why she's doing this. The thing that was really she, weird. She loses that pretty quickly and as she becomes a worse person and just wants power more than yeah. caring about her family. Like I that's think she's still that using good. that as an excuse, but it's not That's what I kind of wondered. Like, is it? That she's using it as an excuse, but she secretly just likes it. She likes the. I think that's I think, what it is. I think that's what it is. The best part of her character for me, her hurl trajectory was so weird. Hurl trajectory. Hurl trajectory. When she puked. Now. Every time when, when she, she puked, puked, and the trajectory of her puke is so weird. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What's the grand moff who she hates and screws her with drugs, spice? Gas. Oh yeah yeah yeah. He's um, he's in the movies. I'm pretty grand moff sure. Willeman seven. I don't remember. He's in the movie. Not important. Grandma, yeah, another character we have to remember. Grandma Willeman Seven. She's is she? Isn't she working for ranking? No, ranking's the governor. Okay, who is she working with? That is like, hey, get this data card. Car. Get this data card to Grandma Willeman you Seven. You saying that sentence. I Give don't remember, Jake. It's a bad book. I don't <laughs> remember. <laughs> I just I'm genuinely asking. I can't remember, and I'm frustrated that I can't remember their names, but. The person that she's working for says, hey, get these data cards, which are like memory cards or something. I don't know. Get these documents to Grandma What's-He-Face. She gives the data cards to What's-He-Face. He's like, cool. Hey, I'm going to turn around real quick. Don't look at me. And he gives her a fake data card in return that would like implicate her boss in something bad. But she notices that the data card is fake. She calls Grandma What's-His-Face on it and he says oh you shouldn't have done that he gasses her with drugs it's like if you threw cocaine on her face and he's like yeah, see now of. you're covered oh, yeah. in drugs you'll be arrested forever unless you shut up and get out of the government forever so she's like okay and then she works as a secretary for a while and then she works her way back up only to confront that same guy again so her but that's like at the middle of the book so it's not like that's the culmination of a character arc mm -hmm. it's the weirdest trajectory of a character it is. And then she finally does the thing she should have done the first time and just strong arms him and doesn't believe it. And she uses Thrawn. And says, what? I don't like the price stuff. And I, I, tuned, oh, really? I, well, I, I tuned it all out because I was listening. So I, I can't go through the I price stuff very much because I just it. zoned out a lot. I wanted to understand it, but I was just like, at a certain point, I was like, okay, wait a second. Now we're just doing the exact same thing again. I, zone, I zoned yeah. out. Yeah, once price. again, I, I really tuned out with a lot of the details like that, which is... <laughs> but you guys loved it, huh? And I'm a crazy person for thinking it's not that great? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> the thing that I really liked is when, when she gets demoted, after Grandma What's-His-Face screws her over, she has to start from the bottom. There's like a part where she's at like the unemployment office trying to get a job. And she's like, I've worked for a governor. And the person's like, 
honey, everybody's worked for governors. You're not, <laughs> you can work at a restaurant. That's basically your only choice. She goes and interviews at this place, or she wants to get an interview at this place, and the secretary's like, no. So she goes back, busts through, and talks to the boss of the place. And because she notices that this person's really overworked, she's like, hire me to replace that woman out there. I can do a better job than her. Hire me for a summer. I work for free for like a month. I'll do more work than her. And if I succeed, then you replace me with her. And she like just is so cocky about it that he's like, okay, that's pretty cool. That, that was I, the I coolest like that part. part. That was the best part that was a neat of detail. her character for me. Yeah, that, that was, was a highlight. good part. It was good. Um, now... I was going to... I'm sorry. I have another question. How did Thrawn know Anakin Skywalker again? I, I was so confused that's, by this. It has... It, they, they didn't clarify it. I feel like that's going to be something. Yeah, that's oh, a... Maybe that's like a, season four of That's Rebels. a box they left intentionally open. I think I saw even like story group uh, comment I'm, on that. I'm thinking, okay. I'm thinking like comic, maybe something. Oh, yeah, because there's a, a tie-in comic coming out for this, which is... Uh, for Thrawn? Yeah. Okay. Of all stories, they could have had a... Tie-in comic for. I mean, that I'm would, interested. I like my, I would guess that it's going to be the Anakin backstory. That would be really cool. Yeah, because it was, it's because it's it, he, they say it's during the Clone Wars. Yeah, I would hope they were. Right. Anakin, well, so. aren't they? They're just adapting the novel though, which I think they kind oh, of made. That what it, it is? They made That's it sound like it's going to be oh. kind of like the Rogue One or TFA adaptation. Oh. Which I'm going to tell you right now, not very good. I would rather the, the TFA one. I didn't read. The oh, Rogue the TFA one. one was literally a shot-for-shot shot remake of Force Awakens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even joking. Like they, I think I remember they interviewed Chuck Wendig, and he's like, they told me. Like pretty much, you're not gonna do anything else. Besides. Did Chuck Wendig do the? He was the writer for uh, the, oh. the tie-in. My blood. <laughs> so, uh, well, no, it's pretty much just Kasdan then, because he just did the movie. No, but he <laughs> didn't. Though. Like the way that he, it was the way that he would like introduce the scenes and set the scene of like Jack Who or whatever that were just like cringy and weird. Yeah, I'll probably get the uh, the trade. It's like a comic book. You don't have to describe what Jack Who is. We can see it right there on the page. Yeah, I might buy the trade for Rogue One because everything I've heard about it is they actually get to expound a little bit on what happened Ooh, in the movie. That's good. Which, if they do that with Thrawn, that'll be awesome because there is a, a lot of what we're talking about would be absolutely terrible in comic book form. I so you kind of need to... Anakin thing. I know. Yeah. I Listeners that. aren't going to be listening this far because it's impossible to understand what we're talking about. <laughs> but... When Thrawn is first brought before the Emperor, he mentions that he met some warrior that he respected in the Clone Wars. He mentions Anakin Skywalker. It's like a big cliffhanger of the chapter. Mm-hmm. He's never really brought up again until Just, later in the book. Yeah, one other yeah. time. He mentions that they met during the Clone Wars. But, like, Thrawn doesn't understand human behavior so much, but apparently he interacted with this human. And then Anakin... The Emperor wants to know about the Chiss. Anakin is his lackey now. He's interacted with the Chiss. He doesn't know anything about the Chiss. Well, I I read it as I guess we just don't know. I, I read it as he. It's not like Anakin spent weeks with Thrawn or anything <laughs> like that. It seems like they, that's exactly what I think. <laughs> Sounds more like it a seems week. like they ran into something out while, while Anakin the, was on a mission. Yeah. During it was the like Cold a Wars. real weekend at Bernie situation. They had to carry. <laughs> they a got dead a cabin body. in the Alps and like, kind of hung out, <laughs> talking about life for a little I'm bit. Just chilled like a couple of bros. <laughs> I I definitely read that as hey guys, here's a little teaser for something we're going to do. Where Thrawn met Anakin, do a little rom com with Thrawn and Anakin. More like a romp the... <laughs> between bros. Wow, great one! <laughs> Thanks, so guys. So working all day on that. I'm gonna okay. Can I give you an example of what I'm talking about? Just no. like how convoluted each chapter is. Yeah, let's is. be more negative. <laughs> you guys say something positive. I ask you stuff. You don't have anything to say. No, you keep talking. 
I want to talk I about I ask you and then you're like, I don't remember. I don't know. Well, yeah. You're and then the conversation doesn't move forward. <laughs> you're leading the witness. <laughs> Sustained. <laughs> okay, talk about your stuff. No, no, no. Do your little thing. Mm-hmm. And then I want to talk about... I refuse. I want to talk about the Chiss in general. Okay. And their role in this book. Let's right. just, just talk about the Chiss. Why not? So, it turns out that Thrawn was not sent there... He was not exiled to this planet. He was sent there specifically by the Chiss. Yeah. Um. And I, I think that's very interesting because the Chiss are from part of space that Chiston. is not <laughs> it's actually called Scylla is the name of their planet. But Silly. yeah. But they they they're in the area of of Snoke. What do you mean maybe. by that? <laughs> okay, maybe you need to start the area over. of snow. That sounds like a young Jedi Knights novel. <laughs> they're, in the, they're in the area of maybe Snoke, where the First Order is sent, and where all that stuff starts. Unknown regions. The unknown regions. Mm. They're 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 close by. So the Chiss are lots of times just referred to as a rumor. Even in this book, Eli says that you know the people have legends about the Chiss, but yeah. they've never really seen them. Um, and I I, I like. I like the little bit we get about the Chiss, and I hope we get more. I don't know if we will, because even in old canon, we didn't get a whole lot about Chiss. We never saw their planet. The most we get is we know it's like a, a cold planet. <laughs> that's a, that's about all we know Describe about the their place. Cold. Yeah, that's a, that's about the only description we it's ever cold got. cold and people are sad all the time. But but it's interesting that, it's everywhere. that Thrawn was probably one of their top generals. I don't know why they have a strong military. And right, no one knows about like them. Thrawn. Who are they fighting? That's what I'm very. In, that's what I'm very interested in. Who are? Yeah. yeah. Like, who are the Chiss? Why are they? Why do they have such a strong military presence? Why are they sent? Why did they send Thrawn there to? And he's pretty much there to investigate the Emperor. I think at some point they talk him and him and Palpy talk about the Death Star because Thrawn finds yes. out about the Death Star. And he that wants, was a good part of the book. Yeah, and Palpatine's just like, "Oh, are you worried? I'm going to use it on you?" And and he's like, "No, I've got. I have other uses for it." But but I like that the Chiss seem to be more aware of the known universe than the known universe is aware of them. Yeah, I would, I, I would be interested in the, in learning more about the Chiss. They have been one of my favorite things in Star Wars for a long time since <laughs> Thrawn, pretty much. Chiss, a Star Wars story. Yes, I would, I would watch it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> too bad. That's I don't know if that would be too in the weeds to present in like the movies. Like if if we're gonna because yeah. once again the breadcrumbs that have been dropped for the unknown regions and all the expanded literature like you would think they're going to address that at some point in episodes eight or nine and i think i think chiss isn't they're they're enough on the radar that it wouldn't be too out of the realm to introduce them into the movie it's not going to throw people too off yeah i think the thing is though throwing unknown aliens into star wars has never stopped them before oh no (laughs) now who's being negative (laughs) i didn't do it (laughs) i think you were complicit the problem is i think chiss are technically human what yeah. What does that mean? They're they're they just like they're described as they're described as near human, probably human that have just been separated from the rest of humanity in in the known galaxy. Just technically aren't aliens, I guess. They've just evolved differently. And so basically, Scylla. they like how we have tone skin tones on earth they just happen to become blue instead of kind of a, a shade of tan or brown that's old canon new canon they haven't been explored that huh, much that's interesting yeah i how did you guys feel about that twist by the way 
that it turns out that Thrawn was not exiled, but it was in fact put there with a purpose. I like that. I liked it. Yeah, I don't think it was. It wasn't really that much of a twist. I don't think it like it wasn't that surprising. I guess. I guess I, what I really was compelled by Thrawn, like it intrigued me so much, because what he says was that he was exiled because he wanted to do a preemptive strike, and his people disagreed with him, so they exiled him. And I just loved the idea of Thrawn's introduction being he was this outcast, scrappy on a new hey, planet, yeah. but he's still so, <laughs> but he's still so good at rapping <laughs> that everybody loves him. <laughs> yeah, I loved that idea. And then they took kind of took it away. And he's like, nah, he planned to be there the whole time too. And I was like, oh, I, I liked that idea. I liked him being like a castaway that had to survive. That was cool. It was it was cool. I guess I just like that it wasn't really him doing this. It was. All of the chess. Saying, yeah, it was a plan by better, all of them. We better, me, we better investigate this. Let me say this: we talked. I talked in the beginning how Thrawn in Rebels is painted as almost like the villain of the season, and in this book, that's one of my favorite details because that presented him as he was. One, I think the the most evil thing he did in this novel was what he can like blew up the ship full of uh, Wookiee slaves. Like he was, <laughs> that's not so bad. Yeah, what, haven't They're we all? Just Wookies. Oh, by the way, why are the Wookiee in enslaved race? That's we. That's kind <laughs> of weird. Talked about that yeah. before. I think. Yeah. yeah. But I thought for a second because Eli feels bad about it, and he's really upset by the fact that they're slaves, and he mentioned that to Thrawn. And Thrawn kind of tries to justify that. He's like, nah, they might not be slaves. Maybe you could look at it like this. And he was like, do you really think that, though? And he's like, no. <laughs> and I liked that. Like, yeah. He didn't back off and try to retcon Thrawn and make him, like, nice. Yeah, right. but he's getting like, back to no, my... He likes slaves. What I liked about Thrawn was that he wasn't... Not all Imperials are 100% evil, and it's obvious that Thrawn isn't 100% evil. He definitely has his own motivations for being part of the Empire. And that's what I kind of liked, was that he... I, I get the impression that he gen he genuinely is on whatever mission he's on for like his fellow Chiss. Like he wants to help his people out, and of course we don't know how their emotions work over there. They seem, I mean, if we're judging just based off of Thrawn, they're very pragmatic people, and so their way of saving their civilization might seem more cold and calculated than an empathetic way that uh, a human on Earth maybe would go about trying to save their nation or their state or whatever and so i kind of like that that thrawn was presented as someone who was really just trying to help out his people i i don't i don't know if i agree with that because i feel like in the same way that price really just wanted power despite what she said her motivations were you can tell that she's having fun like as she is going through the motions and gaining power and i feel like thrawn is the same way like you get the sense that he loves what he's doing he loves being in control he loves formulating these plans and defying people and doing what seems to be the impossible. I think he's doing it because he likes it, but maybe he's using this chess thing as a as a not as a ruse. Maybe he has convinced himself that that's what he thinks, but I think he's doing it because it's fun for him. I guess I, I was gonna say, I mean, which is I, cool. I like. That. I suppose you could have both. I mean, I, I I definitely believe the character motivation that he's doing this for the people. He might be enjoying the ride while he's in it. I mean, you don't have to like hate everything you're doing no not true you have to hate everything you're doing yeah i hate this podcast all right fine <laughs> <laughs> that's no, the goal I, i'm on isaac's side there i think i think even if he does find i mean he's a, a smart he's a smart guy he enjoys being smarter than the people he's fighting against i know i do <laughs> but but that doesn't, me. <laughs> <laughs> nope but he's um I, I think his goal and i i guess i hadn't thought about this novel that deeply i should have before we 
did this episode. Um, but I, I think the structure kind of confirms that because there's not a big evil threat that he's chasing the whole time. You're seeing little snapshots, Isaac's favorite word. Snapshot, guys. Of, um, of we what, feel like an air horn whenever it comes back. back. Of what Thrawn is doing. Ooga. And he's like, yeah, it's like this week he's he's dealing with these people. Uh, this week he's dealing with these people. They're not really connected, but he's not really there to save the Empire or to to really. He he tells Palpatine that's why he's there. He's like, oh, you know, I'm going to serve you while I'm part of the Empire. Right. Maybe he will, but I don't really think that's why Thrawn is in this universe. Well, so he, even even in Rebels, he's interested in stopping these Rebels, but that's just because it's another day at work. Ooh, for him, there's I think. A, there's a part. I wish I could remember it. It was it was cool, and it made you think, oh, yeah, Theron's got motivations of his own. It's that – it's when he's talking to Eli about evil because this, this subject of, like, evil comes up in the book. Theron is not true evil, but he says to Eli, there is true evil out there. I've seen it, and he wants to understand it. And I think what he's talking about is, like – Something to do with the Force, right? I think he's talking about things like the Bendu or things like Snoke or whatever he is. But he's talking about even the unknown regions he has seen. The, the truth force is, is evil. Cold. The Force is evil. Mm. Yeah, Riley. Boy. Riley has the hot take that the Force needs to be destroyed, which means life itself. He wants to kill everybody no, in the world. just the Force. Yeah, uh, well, okay. But yeah, that, that was interesting to me because, you know, the end of season three of Rebels, spoiler alert, is he shoots the Bendu out of the sky with just a gun. Yeah. <laughs> and and the Bendu kind of gives this little prophecy about Thrawn ending it. But Thrawn just seems intrigued by it and just puts a final bullet in the Bendu's head. But you can tell that he is intrigued by the Force. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, going to your point, Riley, I think there was a conversation between Palpatine and Thrawn about, like, I think they almost kind of had, like, an open conversation where the Emperor's like, I know... Like, you're kind of, like, in this for yourself. Like, is that going to compromise your allegiance to the Empire? And Thrawn basically, once again, like, his pragmatic self, he's like, no, I'll be loyal to you because it's in my best interest if I want to save my people. Like, I can't right. be dying because of treason. Yeah, yeah that's, like, pr that's pretty early on in the book. Once yeah. again, the, the start of this book I really liked, and it just, it kind of wore me out after mm -hmm. a while. And then it kind of wore me back and wore me out. It was yeah, just, but, I was all over the place. But I liked your point, Jake, too. Like, that was one of my favorite oh, things. because that You're welcome, buddy. We're still friends. Guys, Guys, we fight, but we're still friends at the end of the day. Just like any good podcast? Podcast. <laughs> yeah, podcast, guys. Podcast. Most or... good podcasts are people fighting all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but, yeah, that was kind of our, uh, I think, our intimation of what was in the unknown regions. Like, that was kind of the, the little tidbit we were given. Like, it's like there's evil that you don't understand. And that's, I think, once we in our uh, last Jedi discussion, what we kind of surmise might be the case is that Luke is now aware of the same thing that Thrawn is, that there are threats out there that, that trivialize what the empire is doing, what the rebellion is doing, what the first order is doing or what the resistance is doing. I would love there being a thing in episode nine, maybe where they have to go to Snoke, but he exists go to in Snoke. the unknown. <laughs> go to Snoke. <laughs> Get woke with Snoke. If they have to go to see Snoke in the unknown regions and they have to travel to this like weird creepy part of space that like has never been seen before in Star Wars and go to whatever creepy weird planet he's on. Yeah. Be cool. I maintain that the Yuzhen Vong are a great idea. This this threat from somewhere that has never been explored. 
something that is completely alien, something completely other. It was poorly executed with the Yujin Vong, which no we'll, kidding. we'll talk about someday. <laughs> but I like that I like this buildup of, hey guys, there might be something out there that's going to show up. And they've already said after nine, we're done with main trilogy movies for a long time. What a better time than then to introduce this threat and have some movies about a new group hey, of people. Yeah. Like a band called Rage Against the Machine once said, What better place than here? What better time than now? Say that, <laughs> sure did. They're always, they're always screaming. I can't understand what they're saying. Um, that kind of goes to what we were talking about in the prediction episode, where I hoped that it would end up that Snoke was not even the big bad, but there was some more malevolent force behind him that would end up being the <laughs> yeah, ultimate evil. It's that would be neat. Listening back to our episode, now we're getting into episode A stuff. But <laughs> listening back to our episode, I really think that I don't even think Snoke's only got known reasons. I think he's strictly a rich guy. He's just who's like manipulating from Texas. stuff. Yes, he's from Space Texas with uh, Eli. (laughs) (laughs) They both wear 10-gallon hats. What if Snoke is Eli? Are we satisfied with this discussion, guys? No. I have to say a couple things. He has to be negative a little bit more. We can't end on a positive, happy note. Oh, my goodness. Are are we really done talking about this? I guess I don't have to say was No, go ahead. What I was going to do is I was going to read, because, you know, like, Wikipedia, there's, like, a little recap of each chapter. And I was just going to read, like... (laughs) A recap of what one of these chapters is like, just so that people in the audience can get a sense of where I'm coming from with how confusing it is to follow this stuff. Like everyone, gather around here and check it. We don't have to do it. <laughs> no, we're doing it. We're doing it. <laughs> nope, it's over. Oh, he's sad. We're gonna we're gonna see how far we can go before uh, before joke mad gets real mad. <laughs> joke mad. I just when, don't know what you want from me. When joke mad gets Jake mad. I was just gonna read. Um, this it's like under the subheading "Finding Night Swan's Trail." It says on Uba, Captain Thrawn, Ensign Eli, and Commander Alfred Chano managed to capture the Iridium smugglers by using a trail of mollusk meat and macor to track their underwater transport. In their haste to make room for the Iridium, the smugglers had dumped large quantities of mollusk meat overboard. This attracted the local macor predators. Eli reasoned that the smugglers could have escaped. I can, actually, I'm going to give up on this because it's, it's actually really long. <laughs> it's just one chapter. It wouldn't be fun. But no, I, I cut all that stuff out. No, I'm keeping it in. I, no. I know what you're saying. <laughs> I know what you're saying. And part I think part of the reason I can't remember names or anything is because I listened to it. It's well, that's hard. what I'm wondering, too. Is because I, I wish I, I, I did it. listen to it. I wish I had read it. I listened to it, and I think that part of it is, you know, hey – we don't have any listeners, but come at me on Twitter, bros. <laughs> You're probably right. This is probably the greatest book ever written, and I just was too, too dumb to understand no, it. I don't think it's the greatest book ever written. I just think the the things that you have problem with problems with. <laughs> problems things with. that you have problems with are things that I liked about it. I liked yeah. the, I liked the structure. I liked that there was no there was no big bad guy that he's dealing with. Like, yeah, I didn't Night want th- wasn't that big. I didn't guy. want there I to liked, be a big bad guy. Yeah, no, I I I just liked the I liked that it was different normal and i and i don't for me personally i don't think <laughs> i don't think that the uh, as someone I, I who does news <laughs> as someone who does news my lord is that legal i don't think so that's good news no need to report that gunray i don't think that <laughs> his writing is that bad that's just a preference thing no, you know it's inconsistent to me yeah. Mm-hmm. And I wish that um, 
I, I think what I've realized is because what I did in preparation for this is I went back and I rewatched pretty much all of Thrawn's scenes from season three, which made me realize that I liked him more than I thought I did in season three. He was really great. Um, but he is at his best when he is pitted against characters that you care about and you're worried, like, can they keep up with this guy? Because this guy knows what's going on. He's so crafty. He's woke. But he's woke. <laughs> he's a lot like Snoke, actually. <laughs> and I think that Thrawn is a better villain when he's pitted against heroes that we care about. Yeah. And just reading a whole book of just him didn't quite stick with me. But I honestly, I would not say that it's a bad book. Yeah. It was just, it's inconsistent. It it stuck with me, but that could be because I really love Chiss and I really like what they're doing. I like I like thinking about what Thrawn, why Thrawn is really in the Empire. The real reason he went to the Empire. Yeah. I, I like that a lot. And I like that they didn't really ex- fully explain there's some right. mystery there his character shined through in spite of the book i feel like yeah i still liked him a lot by the guys, end guys kind of what i want to do could we do like maybe delete this whole this? episode because everyone's gonna hate thoughts? me forever i was gonna say like do a final like give me a one paragraph thought of this book here's okay. my final multiple paragraph thought about okay. this book Timoth- like that thing I almost read on Wikipedia. <laughs> Timothy Zahn is upheld as like the Star Wars writer. I know. He's not great. Mm-hmm. And sorry, t- Tim. I'm so sorry. I, I Tim, like calling like, the show. We'll talk to you about I like, this. I like, we'll straight I have out. some tips. <laughs> I like this book oh, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you how to write books, person who's written a million books. That's the worst <laughs> sentence that's been said in our podcast. <laughs> it may have been uh, in jest. <laughs> I like this book a lot. I, I don't like that the old trilogy very much. In, in other stuff he's written, I, it's not my favorite Star Wars book. He's he's held up as like, you know, to be a Star Wars writer, this is what you need to do. Yeah. I don't think there is a Star Wars writer who's written multiple books that I can say I love all their stuff, with the exception of Matthew Stover. He's the only Star yeah. Wars writer who I think I love every book he's ever written. Why are we pointing to Matthew Stover? I forgot about that about Star Wars books I love. I do want to. I do want to do a Matthew Stover episode someday, actually, where we can be happy and love each other. Yeah, and because say I think nice we all have nice things to say. But so, so this book is not the best, and he is not the best Star Wars writer, I don't think. Um, but I guess I just don't. Maybe it's my fault as a fan. I need to hold them to a higher standard. <laughs> but I don't stand it, your ground. It doesn't shoot him. <laughs> it, it doesn't bother me that much when they're when not every book is good. And I think part of it no one no, no, no. and I think part of it is because I'm coming from the perspective of reading a lot of the EU. Yeah. That was filled with crap. We should very say quickly. We should say that if you're a new listener, you hate the show right now. <laughs> but you we're usually a lot nicer. And I'm new to Star Wars books in general. Yeah. yeah. This I, is still new territory. I'm for so me. very used Unknown to region. to crappy old Star Wars <laughs> books. There's we've been reading a lot oh, of Oh, it's them. true. Jake, uh, wrap a bow in your thoughts so I can kiss him. I don't want to do that now. <laughs> Don't kiss my bow, bro. Um, my thought is that I could see this being somebody's favorite Star Wars book. This is not the kind of Star Wars book that I like. I generally like Star Wars books that have a strong story. And this did not have a strong story. It was more about a character. And I think what I've realized, because I'm loving Inferno Squad, and I what I'm realizing is that I like it when Star Wars is about a team and when it's about multiple people working together. It makes me worry about this Phasma book, which I was excited about, and I'm like, ooh, maybe I don't like solo books. <laughs> maybe I don't like those. Um, even though it focused on multiple characters, they all had very similar motivations and were all very similar characters, this Thrawn book. And because he wasn't really pitted against characters that I cared about, I didn't really care about the overall story. But if you're fascinated by Thrawn, 
you'll be fascinated by this book. And there are parts of it that are really great. So it's something that I would say you'd have to read it and see how you think about it. I haven't heard a lot of people say that this is like the best of the new canon or some masterpiece, but I it's not terrible. I just wish that it did not have to be 7,000 pages long. This could have been a really tight, awesome book that was my favorite Star Wars book, and I think it overstayed its welcome like me right now. So, Isaac, what do you think about this book? <laughs> what I'll say is this uh, thought just came back to me. Like, I was thinking that when this book first came out, when I first started reading it, it's it's interesting that they chose, like, the adult fiction arena to expound on the characters of Thrawn and Price, who are so in children's far, TV shows. Yeah, so far in the new canon, we only know from children's TV shows, and I only know. only one of them we know from any previous fiction. And so it was an interesting choice, which I think kind of diminishes the uh, the available audience for this book. And so I don't know if it's ever going to exactly get the reach that it necessarily would otherwise if they would have chosen a young adult avenue or they would have taken like a origin story of someone from the movies or something else like that but my final thoughts on the book are really just uh re- reiterating what i thought before was that i did feel like these are characters that i was interested in before especially thrawn and i feel like i left the book uh, having a better idea of why they're around what made them what they are and what they want in the future and it left me with something too like with once again, we talked about him knowing Anakin. That was nice. But also with uh, Eli's character. I don't know why I kind of connected with that character more than other like point-of-view characters. Because once again, I can acknowledge there wasn't a ton there with Eli. But there was something about the way he was portrayed, which I kind of connected with. And so by the end of the book, his story was left open to continue. And that's something I really enjoyed. We forgot something important about Eli. We should just mention this because I feel like people who have read the book will call us out on it. But the best part of Eli's whole thing is that he gets offered a better job, not with Thrawn, but he realizes that, I don't remember exact, the exact reasons, but it's almost like if he would have taken it, he would have been enslaved to this other person or, or it would have been to for negative reasons and he decided to stay with Thrawn, which he knew meant that it was political suicide. He would never move up in the ranks. So he chose Thrawn over this other job that would have promoted his career better and it was this choice that kind of haunted him for a while throughout the book. Yeah, Eli's a good character is what I'm trying to say. I like and I like where he ends up. He's yeah. We, we sort of mentioned it, but he uh, Thrawn considers him a friend. I think by yeah. the end of the book, they're they are friends and they've been together for a very long time. And Thrawn sends him to to Scylla to the Chiss mm-hmm. to do whatever there. But now they have now they have a human who ha- can also give the Chiss more information about really how the Empire works. Mm-hmm. It's interest. It's an interesting ending. Yeah, it's like any sort of other like book with like a Sherlock or any other super genius where I think like Thrawn has the most affection that someone of that mindset could have for another human being where it's like less like he's not going to acknowledge that they're friends maybe outwardly with emotions, but you can tell clearly that he needs this person in his life. He's not a cold, calculating robot like he was portrayed in the old canon, I think. Mm-hmm. He Thrawn? Was, yeah, Thrawn was very much this... He he was a machine who was really good at, at killing rebels, mm-hmm. or New Republic, I guess, back then. But yeah. but he he is not that in this new book. He's more of, a, more of a person who cares about some things. It made me like his character more. Yeah. So I guess it was a success. Greatest book of all time. You heard it It probably is the best book I've ever read. (laughs) (laughs) Quick, let's get out. Well, okay, that's going to end it. (laughs) That's going to end it for this episode of Delicately Curated Long Form Debate over the internationally beloved Star Wars saga, uh, tailored to modern fanatic 
Brought to you lovingly and weekly increments by the loquacious yet soothing voices of your hosts, Riley, me, Jake, hey, hey. and Isaac. You can reach the Gramoff talking on Twitter, Irek on Twitter, <laughs> Riley's Bum on Twitter, and Jacob Kreitz on Twitter, Gramoff talking at gmail.com. Hey, I forgot to say that stuff. Rate and review, um, but actually don't do it after this episode. <laughs> check the uh, show, hey, check the show notes. Yeah. This show was called Shanberg Talking. <laughs> oh, that's as right. Shanberg Talking. Thank you Shan- so much. We're so sorry that this is the episode that was dedicated. I was going to say. You deserve better. We should have given you a better episode. We did, you, we'll, we'll, we'll give you another one. We'll give you another one. Yeah, you can. Darth Goody will get one. You'll get one. You know what? We'll let him pick the topic, too. Let's. Uh, you know who doesn't get one? No. Who? Bob's and Doug. Bob's and Doug. <laughs> <laughs> Giving us one star. We know it was you. Come, come forward with your one star. And we'll have you on the show and we'll talk about it. Uh, Bye. Oh. Was, there, was there a name for the reviewers at just one star? Like, there's no, review, no right? review. There's no name. They just, they just started. So they we, just, don't get, we don't get to know the name. Nope. No, I was so bummed out. I watched that show once through the first time. And you watched it through once the first time. Yeah. How it was smart humor. The second time? Yeah. <laughs> How many times did you watch it after the second time? Well, like a couple times like the first time. Hey guys, welcome to our ASMR. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> You're what? ASMR, have you ever heard oh. of that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. For mentally disturbed people who like lips smacking noises. Oh, no. Whatever the opposite of that person is, that's me. <laughs> yeah, it's truly disturbing. Yeah, no, I'm... it's not great. Like, some of it is just like people talking real quietly to try and, like, you know, keep you calm. But then a lot of it is just like making weird bad noises. Are there, like, podcasts dedicated to that? Because I know there's, they have, like, special, like, put you to sleep podcasts. Probably. Which have, like, the. Uh, the Neil deGrasse Tyson one. No. <laughs> they have like the red E on them, which is bizarre. Like it's meant to make you go to sleep, but it's oh, explicit. E for, e for explicit. E for e- cursing at you in your not, ears. Yeah, not E for everyone. You, fall asleep. you friggin' idiot, fall asleep. <laughs> my favorite curse word, friggin' idiot. <laughs> so pardon my language, guys. Uh, all right.